0: In this episode of the Full Nerd, Intel Rocket Lake Review. Should I say eleventh gen or nah, doesn't who cares? We'll do doesn't that matter. Again. Doesn't matter. Okay. In this episode of the Full Nerd, Intel's eleventh gen Rocket Lake Review, Intel has plans and NVIDIA rebar news. Welcome to... Oh, God dang it. 172. What was our number? Welcome to episode 172 of The Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gordon Bong, with co-host Brad Charkis. Hello, Internet. And Adam Patrick-Murray, controlling the vertical and horizontal.
1: From, from my new place, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm settled for the most part. I did it. Uh, but uh, what people don't really understand is that when Gordon gets into his review hole or his review submarine... He's really deep down in there, and it's it's hard to drag him out sometimes. Uh, so he he's tired. You know he he's he's gonna mess up the intro. It 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 happens. Uh,
0: yeah, your brain. Any as any reviewer can tell you, right at the end, it's the end of a marathon. actually having run a marathon, or I don't know if you'd really call it running, coming across the finish line. <laughs> you are done at the end. Your brain is wasted, everything, and I'm there. But a lot of interesting stuff with Intel's. Rocket Lake 11th Gen, obviously, um, there have already been pre-reviews done. This is uh, a review of the Core i9 part. And, of course, if you have been under a rock for the last three years, uh, Intel's 11th Gen Rocket Lake is basically... Uh, cores borrowed from its 10th Gen Ice Lake CPU, built on a 10-nanometer process, smaller, denser. You know what? We got all this 14-nanometer process left over we're going to take our, you know, 10 nanometer design, put it on 14 nanometer, kind of blows up to be bigger, you lose a couple cores, we're also going to take the graphics engines from the Tiger Lake designs, the XC graphics, put those on too, takes up even more space, you end up with basically a top-end 11th gen Core i9 11900K with 8 cores, instead of 10 cores, which is, as we know, cores matter more, right, you go back, two uh from the previous generation and of course all this against an uh a similarly priced although not really similarly priced amd ryzen 9 5900x with 12 cores so 12 versus 8 versus 10 doesn't sound great but i will tell you after being in the review submarine for a couple weeks now it's not all that bad in performance um, and I know of course people want to say just making excuses but out of the way we can say clearly this does not even get close to taking out Ryzen 9 in most things that use all those cores Ryzen 9 runs cooler uses less power is much faster in multi-core loads there's a lot of single threaded lightly threaded stuff where it does exceptionally well to So it doesn't get close to dethroning Ryzen 9. I don't think anybody really expected Intel to be able to do that with a 14 nanometer part. Again, 14 nanometer is something first introduced with the original Skylake, actually with Broadwell, but with the Skylake core in 2016-ish. It's a pretty old process, about seven years as we know, Intel has been reusing it over and over. We saw it with Skylake. We saw it with KB Lake. We saw it with Coffee Lake. We saw it with Coffee Lake. We saw it with, lake. We <laughs> first, we saw it with Comet Lake. All of those, of course, were based on the essential Skylake cores. A lot of changes, a lot of security mitigations. This part is not Skylake core. It is much better. It is definitely like a... It is basically an Ice, ice Lake core. But built on 14 nanometer, so it will use more power. But one of the things Intel was able to do was push higher clocks. One of the real major problems with that 10th-gen Ice Lake chip at the time was... Really slow. It, yeah, it did not hit high clocks. They were like maybe 4.2, 4.1 gigahertz. The competitive Comet Lake U-based uh, laptops that it was going against, AMD didn't even exist at that time, to be honest was 4.8, 4.7 gigahertz. So those, those ice lake parts had a big disadvantage that was corrected with Tiger Lake 11th gen. These parts at least run at very high clocks up to 5.3 gigahertz on this, on this 11th gen part. That's fast. Very fast. And, of course, Intel has added all the boosts. You got thermal velocity boosts. You got this boost. You got the new Intel adaptive boost. They got so many boosts stacked up on top of each other. They push it as hard as they can. We'll get to that later in the power. But, basically, it doesn't take out Ryzen. It does get a lot really close and better in some lightly threaded, single threaded stuff. But it is a back and forth. Overall, I would say Ryzen is a better part. No surprise. You can't buy it, of course, Intel would say. But I think the real battle for me is Comet Lake, because a lot of the narrative you are seeing in the Internet now is, you know what? They never should have made this chip. Eleven Gen Rocket Lake should have never been made. They could have just kept selling Comet Lake. And I want to point out, Internet, you are the very same Internet that was saying when they introduced Coffee Lake, and then they introduced Coffee Lake Refresh. And then they introduced Comet Lake. You said, you need to do something new, Intel. Well, Intel has actually done something new with Rocket Lake. And it is better, certainly at the price of power, which we'll get into later. But it is definitely better. Uh, if you go and look at the review that I have, the new cores add AVX 512. They add hardware encryption uh, acceleration that wasn't on the previous cores. The higher clocks, the higher boosts, it all adds up to solid double-digit and better performance over Comma Lake parts. And there are some
2: other features I think that are worth pointing out that might not necessarily show up in your performance review. Like uh, moving to PCIe 4.0 is huge for right. for Intel because AMD's out that for a couple of years now, and Intel just hasn't competed. Now they do. That's great. Uh, and I also think don't sneeze on those integrated XE graphics inside of these uh, obviously, that was not a focus of your review because you're reviewing the CPU, but Z-Graphics, I mean, they can do decent gaming, at 720p, 1080p low settings, and if you're not able to get a graphics card, that's a good thing to have in your processor right now, and they also have uh, AV1 and HEVC support, so this would be a big upgrade for home theater PCs too, so I just want to make sure all those full, the full picture of all those features are mentioned.
1: Yeah, and that's why I... Th- go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, because, I mean, we... So for those of you don't know, uh, Gordon did a, a couple awesome articles on PCWorld.com. Definitely go read them. Uh, we also did a video that went live this morning. Uh, that's where you're going to get the real full rundown. It's like an hour, almost an hour and a half video of just charts, uh, benchmarks. Gordon explained everything from 3D rendering to gaming to all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I'll say as a, as a quick summary of, of what I felt was the main takeaway is that the you you had three chips that you compared to the ten nine hundred K, the eleven nine hundred K, and the fifty nine hundred X. Why you chose those chips? You know we can probably talk to in a minute because there's already questions about that. But uh, the the ten nine hundred K is a ten core, but there were times that that eight core was beating that ten core part, the old ten core part in things that traditionally favor more cores, uh, which I thought was super interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, especially in in some of those encoding tasks where you you fired on the IGP, uh, sure it doesn't beat a built-in, uh, you know, a, a 2080 Ti that you're using when you switch that on. But if you're if you just switch that on and it's it's essentially free performance <laughs> like that, that was that was huge. I mean, especially for somebody like me. Uh,
0: yeah, the QuickSync performance is very impressive, right? I mean, QuickSync is embedded into Adobe products. And then also, it was pretty close in a lot of application performance, you know, Adobe. Ryzen still had a decent advantage, but not what you might expect. Uh, so, I mean, overall, I think, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's not a Ryzen killer. I don't think, I don't think I expected it. I don't think anybody should have expected that, but it definitely is a good step up over Comet Lake. Of course a lot of that will come into a pricing discussion which we'll get into later but I mm-hmm. do think it was a good step forward and I sometimes I think people like like to just dump on things just to dump on it and I I don't think that's fair because if you look at why don't we why don't we run that this is that thread scaling chart which is interesting we,
1: we could so do uh which versus Ryzen first versus Ryzen 30
0: okay. yeah versus Ryzen which you know which is what matters because you're looking at 12 core versus 8 cores again these are similarly priced parts you know Five fifty versus what, five thirty nine technically on paper? Toilet paper.
1: <laughs> toilet paper. Yeah. And
0: this is where this is where I basically take the systems. They were identically matched. Again, you can go read the review or look at the other review for the system specs and all that. <clears throat> but they're basically even. And I run Cinebench and I run it from one thread to the maximum amount of threads on the CPU. I like doing this just to give us a feel for how what the performance is on these chips against each other you know because a lot of games a lot of applications they don't use 10 cores they don't use 12 cores they don't use 20 cores they don't so it's 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 a good feel and then you could sort of see the strength on of the CPU on lighter loads and you can see at that left side it's pretty close right we're looking at it's it's basically dead even with Ryzen and then sometimes it'll be faster right just depending on you know many other conditions it's basically very competitive with a single thread and two threads, which basically is where most of the gaming kind of lives as much as the internet doesn't believe that. But of course, you know, Ryzen, once you get into three and up and it's basically, it's no contest there. Seven nanometer Zen three is just going to rock a 14 nanometer part. Um, period. Right. I mean, look at this. You're looking at uh, 37% at 24 threads. You're looking at, 33 percent at, at 11 threads clearly if you have thread heavy work or you basically <laughs> if you do anything that uses more than a lot of cores ryzen is the way to go no surprise i would not have expected anything else to be honest you kind of would have hoped that rocket lake would have done a little better on that left side maybe pull it down to like seven eight percent but not quite there it's doing it's still, all it can. It's still 14 nanometer. <laughs> it's still 14 nanometer. And, you know, of course, if you were an, here's an Intel person, Intel person, well, hey, you know what? We're doing this with 14 nanometer. And I, if in my r- review, I, I very much use it like I use a lot of sports analogies because 14 nanometer is like a veteran player. It's like it's got all those trophies and, and championships and rings from years ago. Right. <laughs> but it's still hanging on there. And 14 Admiral is just like, Oh, you just like, you gotta go. You gotta retire because it's getting bad. Well, this is like the last run. You sort of see some glimpses of, of brilliance here because, you know, the it's, fact
2: that Drew Brees of
0: chips. <laughs> I was going to say Tom Brady, but you know, you can't say that about Tom Brady no more. So, cause it's like clearly people are like, Oh, maybe we should have hung on to him, but not going to beat Ryzen, not going to beat Zen three. Not a surprise, but I think what's interesting is to look at also Comma Lake. That was the 10 core part versus the 8 core part. If we could do the next one, which is the 11900K. Oh, and I've mislabeled the chart incredibly. It's basically 11900K versus 10900K. Adam,
2: Adam, you're muted. Oh,
0: sorry. Sorry, I screwed up this (laughs) chart because I, I, it was late. It was late last night when I didn't finish this. Um, this is a 10900K 10, 10-core 10 versus 1100K. Same deal we just did with Ryzen, but now we sub in that 10-core Comet Lake part. Remember, both built on 14 nanometer process. The main difference is cores maybe pushing this harder with their boosty-boost-boost. Boost. <laughs> but look at that. That Rocket Lake part really does wail all over that Comet Lake part. You're looking at single thread performance, 18%, 20%. 12, I mean, it really... Double digits until you get all the way up to where, you know, you've got basically 20 threads because it's 10 cores versus a 16 thread 8 core part. But even then, the Rocket Lake is still slightly faster at 4%, which I think that's pretty damn good. I know people are like, oh, why did you even make this? And I will say this is why Intel made this part. They should have made this part because who knows what Alder Lake will get us later this year when it comes out. And do you really want to go seven months with this, getting with Comet Lake getting more beat up by Ryzen for the next six or seven months? Yeah. You know? And the
2: reason I brought up those features earlier is because I think that is a genuine reason for them to roll out new parts as well. Like, yeah, even these days, computer processors, you're not only interested in the CPU cores.
0: Yeah, and that Gen 4 stuff did not it, – it didn't happen with Comet Lake. People really – thought it would it didn't happen not sure why you know i saw some people say they should have just made comet lake with pcie 4 but no i mean look at that performance chart and then if you go and look at the review you could look at the machine learning you could look at the you could look at the uh, uh the encryption performance the the uh the sync. there's just so many things that are improved over comet lake that it is definitely a better chip it doesn't it doesn't knock Ryzen down but it gets closer and even in the gaming I know Intel claim we're faster in these games. Well, you know, I found, I think I, the other viewers have seen this as well. It's sort of like at the high end here at the very tippy top parts. It's, you know, it's Intel, Intel, it's a wash. Intel could say we got these seven games. AMD could say we got these seven games. And I mean, clearly if you get a 3080 Ti or sorry, doesn't even exist yet. If you get a 3080 and you get either an 11900 K or a 30, a 5900 X, and you're running at 1440p or widescreen or 4K, you, you're not going to notice a huge difference between these parts. So, but of course, you can't talk about this without talking about power, right? So, what should we do for it's, power?
1: We do hot. that. Uh, let's do the let's do the Cinebench run the the multiple runs the first one, so slide twenty.
0: Yeah. So, <clears throat> this is interesting because if you think back to that performance chart where you saw Cinebench R20 where you know Ryzen 5900 just pretty much beats down on uh, Rocket Lake uh, I did the same thing I actually simultaneously measured two nearly identical systems both of them had the same uh, Corsair HX1000 80 plus platinum power supplies same memory same graphics cards uh, different motherboards, CPUs, of course, same GPUs. And, uh, both of these were kicked off simultaneously using a mouse and keyboard controller that controlled both. <clears throat> but I, w- I basically measured the power consumption at the socket, which I think is valuable because that's how we pay for our power, just to see the difference. And you can see, yeah, it uses a lot of power. That first big spike is, is like twice the power. I mean, there's a floor of about 80 watts for both systems, but it's basically twice the power consumption running Cinebench on all cores. That ain't good. Um, but I then ran one thread, two threads, three threads, blah 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 blah, and you sort of see it's not as bad as you might expect it on those very light loads. It's actually, it's it's not it's not horrible. But as you get up to maybe about eight threads, you might argue six or seven. It starts climbing for the moon. Rocket Lake is, of course, going to the moon. It just—if it keeps going, it will indeed end up on the moon. Whereas, Ryzen 9 just kind of levels off and never uses more than what 240 watts versus mm-hmm. 380 watts for Rocket Lake fully loaded. But you can see that left side not as bad as you might think it is. Uh Next slide is—I'm curious.
2: I'm curious. Oh. I'm curious. Is this a byproduct of 14 nanometer being pushed as hard as it is, or is it because of Ice Lake architecture being pushed as hard as it is? Because remember, Ice Lake was really low uh, clock speeds. So to get it this fast, they just have to crank it? Is it because of 14 nanometer? Is it all of the above? I think it's probably all of the above. Well,
0: one thing, um, 14 nanometer is there – they're pushing it as h- much harder than they ever did for Comet Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why there's, you know, if they had put two more cores on there, it would, it would be well beyond power, the, the power requirements of the socket. Cause they also did want to have those, those graphics cores in there. So I think it's part process, uh, part architecture. Uh, I remember, um, Cinebench uses some AVX, AVX2. I know Ian Cutridge was just saying, uh, you know, there's really no AVX 512, even though Maxon says there is, but it's not really in this benchmark, but even so, um, AVX generally tends to use a lot of power and, um, there, the offset with Comet Lake and Skylake was, if you're running AVX workloads, you, you slow it down, you know, mm-hmm. there, it doesn't slow down as much with, with this. So I think it could be Cinebench pushing it also very hard. Uh, you know, and I, I know from um earlier the uh, Ian's review of the uh, i7 part he was pushing almost 400 watts with a specialized AVX512 load all cores. I'm just running Cinebench here and we're pushing almost <laughs> 380 watts. So it, it is not it is not it is like a it is like a 1972 big block I don't know. Dodge, right, with a carburetor that you're just dumping gas into the carburetor and it's coming out more of it's coming out the <laughs> tailpipe. Ryzen is more of a, you know, twin turbo fuel injected, port injected, you know, two thousand and you know, fifteen made car where you're just getting so much more efficiency, but. <laughs>
1: You're gonna you're gonna see that on uh, <laughs> the on, on right. Intel marketing soon. Uh, uh, Gordon Monk says uh, the eleven nine hundred K is the hot rod of CPUs. The the classic American muscle. car. It is a hot rod.
0: <laughs> it's a classic American muscle car. Buy supply tires. Yes, holly carbs and and not exactly burning all, getting the most out of that fuel. Uh, we could do. Here's of course this is the ugliness of it. Why don't we do the handbrake one
1: for power? Yeah. Yeah. This
0: this is sort of the ugliness. This is the ugliness. This is handbrake. Uh we're doing a four K to H E V C and we are pushing basically three hundred and seventy ish watts for that Rocket Lake part. Of course, you know, handbrake using all the cores. And you can see that rising is that blue line, which is again not exceeding two hundred and forty for the most part. And it's also done and just, you know, goes back into its idling of about 80-ish watts, well, the Rocket Lake continues on for another couple of minutes to finish. So that is, of course, worst-case scenario, um, and I think that's what people are keying on. That's what people like to do their memes on and go on, on forums and complain about and, and do their, their
2: – they're yelling at each other. Well, but I mean, that's – using Handbrake to convert videos to another file format is a very realistic use-case yeah. scenario.
0: And <laughs> in, in, it is very realistic, and also you might see this if you were doing a, a Premiere encode, right, where you're using all CPU, not all GPU. I th- I think it's very valuable. but I will say for me, I've had an 8-core CPU on my main desktop for 10 years. I would say probably handbrake encodes are 1%. In- video encodes are probably – all core loads are, unfortunately – not that much, and I say unfortunately because I do wish all of our applications would use more of the wonderful cores people have been putting in here. But I do think it's worth pointing out. Why don't we do – boy. Why don't we do one. the Metro? Metro Exodus? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, that, that, that is a good use one, case. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So I also did the same thing where I measured both systems, how much power they used running Metro Exodus. Um, with, with, the, with a 2080 Ti, I, right? So 2080 okay. is not the 3080s, because I didn't have two. Because yeah. I do did not have 3080s, yeah. plural. Yep, for this, can't so get those
2: either. <laughs> these
0: are plural 2080 Ti's, and you can see that yes, indeed, Rocket Lake does use more power in a gaming load, but it's a lot closer. Um, look at that Ryzen 9. We're up at about 420 watts that uh, the Rocket Lake is maybe 450 watts. So it's a lot closer because most gaming, again, this is unfortunate, the vast majority of games are one, two, maybe three threads if you're lucky. So it doesn't really push all those cores there that hard. So Rocket Lake doesn't really burn all that power all the time. So I, I think people need to understand that. Yeah, it gets ugly because clearly you look at the Handbrake or bench and like, yeah, that's... That is four miles to the gallon. You could smell the gas 200 feet behind it going down the road. But a lot of times you're just not on the on the accelerator that hard. I think the last thing to do, why don't we do the um, Procyon? I
2: consider, I oh, consider those com- comparable. Like, yes, the Rocket League is a little bit more power hungry in that metro test, but it's, it's effectively a wash in my opinion. Yeah. So I think that's –
0: people just have to keep in mind based on their – how they are going to use these parts, right? So uh, this last one is very interesting too because Photoshop and Lightroom are fairly intensive. A lot of people do spend a lot of time editing in Photoshop and Lightroom, probably as much as they possibly spend gaming. You may spend more time using that than Handbrake, although a video editor is in a different world. But this is the same deal. We record both systems running, uh UL Procyon running Adobe Photoshop 22 and Lightroom Classic through a bunch of uh, 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 tasks and you can see that for the most part is pretty close. You know, it's very spiky. Yes. Rocket Lake does spike up to occasionally using uh, definitely more power than Ryzen nine. But for a lot of those loads where you're not pushing all those cores and this is using Photoshop and and Lightroom pretty intensely, it's not that big a deal. Right. And I, you know, so I, I just think people need to realize it's it's not that bad for what a lot of people do, especially where you might want to consider buying an eight-core part. Because clearly, if you're doing video editing and 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 multi-core performance, you really sort of want to reach for a bigger chip, right? You want a fifty nine fifty X or fifty nine hundred for the most
2: part. Yeah. yeah, that's a good deep dive because there's it. It really is important that people understand. The power use can get gnarly, but it depends 100%. Because a lot of people just buy these, the top-of-the-line chip to go play games. And yeah. yes, you might see a little bit more of a difference in games like open-world games that do stress CPU cores more. But in general, most games are single-threaded, and it's not as devastating as you think it was. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah and the thing I have yeah, is Yeah, like, I think people just seem to
0: come away with that.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's like, for me, it's like, yes, the information is there. You have it, you know that that it uses more power, but in reality like in a in a typical use case I, I, I mean at least for me, I don't care what my system draw is like i you know i I don't think about that like I'm not looking at my power bill, maybe I'm lucky that I don't have to worry about that for me you know somebody who's going to buy a top-end chip like this i'm not looking at my power bill i'm I'm not being like oh you know what you know what i it's just it's just drawing way too much power i can't but also at the same time if you have like a 3080 in your system like i don't know it, it, it just seems a little weird to 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 point it out i mean you have to point it out because it, it is there but also do you really yeah. have to worry about it like who's who's actually worrying about it i guess is I, I don't, yeah. The
2: more efficient a chip is, typically, the more performance you can squeeze out of it. So efficiency does make a big difference.
0: Yeah, I mean it does. <laughs> it it is a real. It does really matter. I think people just need to understand, though it's not it's not bad all the time. Where I think you know the internet meme is it's just bad all the time, and then realistically, it is not that horrible all the time. So, but yeah, I, I for you though, Adam. I mean it's tough because it's sort of like for me. I use Photoshop, Lightroom. Again, I don't really do a lot of all-core encodes. And frankly, if I have a big fat GPU, would I really be using it anymore? I, what's the value of say QuickSync for a video editor, and versus having a twelve or sixteen-core Ryzen instead for a video editor? W- would you take the well? I mean, I, Ryzen I over like. It?
2: like- or,
1: Sorry, you can't hear me. Can you? You're hear good, me? you're good. Oh, okay. Uh, for can I mean, now.
2: At first, you couldn't.
1: So I was using a 6900K. I think I guess what it was <laughs> for for a long time, many years, and then I I had uh, switched over to a 3800X. Then I upgraded to a 5800X, and honestly, like the I there were some things where like uh, my workloads were performing worse. Uh, for some reason. Like I I, I had some sort of motherboard issue and I was like, what the hell's going on? So, and that was the 3800X. Then I switched over to 5800X and it's not like it was night and day from the 6900K when I'm doing long encodes. Cause uh, at this point, Adobe has switched over to, to GPU rendering uh, as well. And so it's like, I have a 2080 super in my video editing machine. So if I have it, I'm going to use that. So yeah, for me, it it comes down to the the extra little things, right? I mean, I I have a ten nine hundred K that that I got on a sale. I was going to do a build and switch over to that system and you know see what kind of gains I can get there. But it's uh, it's hard.
0: So. Yeah, it, yeah. It's really hard to uh, people. You know, it's the problem is all reviewers we. We are, we pick away at certain things to try to give people a good idea of what it is. You know, the PC as a tool, it has infinite uses and it's really, you can never say that it's always going to be better for their one case because for somebody, an Atom is better for them, right? And mm-hmm. even though for all of us, we'd like, I would wretch before I would have to use it, but for certain people, for certain uses, it can be better. Um, and that is one of the strengths that Intel has, which, as much as even though all the canned benchmarks I ran in Premiere, I use Puja Bench, I use Procyon, Generally, AMD had a good lead, but sometimes in practical use, it may still feel snappier with Intel because, you know, Intel has been going out and doing heavy optimization for all these companies for a long time. So you you can't you can't discount that.
1: But and once again, these are we're also talking about canned benchmarks you know my workload yeah. is going to be completely different than that workload i i i could load up uh, even in the
2: same application
1: a, right right yeah so i mean like it, it's just and i mean that's kind of a shitty thing to worry about hey or, language because <laughs> it's like you know if, if i'm if i'm buying a cpu or if i'm you know get, trying to put together a system there's no way for me to like test drive and be like, oh well, what's my specific, you know, uh workload gonna yeah. be like on it? So you have to look at all the different reviews and kind of gather the info and be like, okay, well it's closest to my workload. So yeah. but at the end of the day workloads are completely different depending on on what you have. So
0: Yeah. I mean so one of the interesting things is looking at the Photoshop and Lightroom stuff, generally Ryzen um most of its gains are from a lot of the exports a lot of the batch processing a lot of uh, where it looks like a lot of those are heavily multi-threaded so their exports they were just smoking i don't know if it was applying effects and then doing an export but ryzen definitely smoked did really well on a lot of the exports but there were some times where you know intel so simply did better in like i think i think it was active some of them would call it active response so like It wasn't a lot, but the Rocket Lake part would be slightly faster in, say, Lightroom or Photoshop because, you know, it's got pretty high clocks. It's got that Intel, you know, we've been doing work a long time. It would actually be faster in that part of it. And then the batch part of the Ryzen was just simply too much to overcome. So, you know, overall, Ryzen would win, but Rocket Lake really have a big advantage. And I do think this is the other thing when people, they really misunderstand this, with rocket lake these ice lake cores they're newer cores a lot of the optimization for the latest applications have been done for ice lake and tiger lake you don't get that magic on the older comet lake sky lake KB lake coffee lake cores you just don't i mean you can see i've done this on a lot of the laptops and tiger lake will just like Yeah, Tiger Lake is like, it will whoop everybody because they're like content aware fill just simply works better on, on its latest architecture. But, you know, it doesn't show up in an older, you know, uh, 10th gen laptop. So there's a lot of that little magic there that, that might make it worth it if you're willing to deal with those power costs. So, and again, the power costs are, it's serious. I was just kind of thinking like, if you're, if you're really doing something, Maybe if you're a data scientist and you're pushing your your 2080 Ti hard and you're pushing your your CPU hard, your Rocket Lake part, you probably will need a bigger power supply. I mean, you know, 850 is probably not a bad idea if you're really going to be running it all day on a hot summer day. Maybe even bigger. So that Man. that extreme power cost, it's it's generally about a hundred watts more, <laughs> right? And you know, for I mean, Ryzen, you could run pretty lean power supplies, you will definitely need a bigger power supply if you're going to push both hard on a hot day or at least a good quality power supply, not the, the crappy stuff I usually buy. So,
2: It's funny. A few years ago, I built my Ryzen 1800X system with modern graphics cards. I've updated a couple times. And I actually went with the 650-watt power supply because pretty much every PC part was becoming insanely more efficient and had been on that trend for several years. And I'm really regretting it now because all of a sudden we're seeing the reverse of that trend and you can get all kinds of crazy performance, but you can't get by with a 650 watt power supply very easily anymore.
0: Yeah. No, 650 is, I think, undersized for most modern hardware. It feels like, yeah, like 800s, like a good, good size to be at. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like having he, headroom for like hot days, low quality, that kind of stuff. I wouldn't, I mean, 750 will work, but it does feel like you probably want a better quality 750. So, and 650 definitely doesn't feel like it cuts it anymore for modern hardware.
2: So, so if we're done talking about the speeds and feeds, I have some other like analysis type thoughts if we want to get into those. And, and we got yeah, some definitely. good
1: questions, really good questions too. So,
2: do you want to do with that first? Or uh, well, we did,
1: did get, uh, I'll, I'll just do one real quick. I got a $5 super chat from a friend of the show, VC Jester. Thank you so much. It said, uh, since Intel likes to promote real world performance, what applications do real world people use that require AVX 512?
0: Well, some of the things I ran on the Rocket Lake part were, you know, Topaz Labs. Uh, Topaz Labs does a lot of specialized AI-based image processing, and Tiger Light laptops kicked the crap out of Ryzen 4000. They, they take the M1, and they throw it down the stairs, and then they bust a chair over its head. Because it's not that's, optimized. That's DL for it.
2: Boost, though, right? Not AVX.
0: Well, a lot of that comes from the AVX five twelve, right? I mean, this the weird thing is, like, Intel will say, "Oh, DL Boost." It's like, what is DL Boost? It's like, like sometimes I think they need to give us a cheat sheet because their their chief marketing thing is like, "We got DL Boost." Oh, so is this using DL Boost? Um, yeah, it's like using this part of it down <laughs> here. Well, is this using it? Uh, no, it's not, and it's just like what. But yes, AVX 512 really speaks to a lot of the, you know, machine learning, AI based stuff. So, uh, that very advanced image processing, that is very real world. You're seeing that show up. I'm, I haven't had a chance, but I want to see this, you know, uh, Adobe has pushed out a super resolution feature that in Photoshop now using, you know, machine learning. I'm interested to see, you know, uh, basically ancient, Intel architecture versus new Intel architecture to see if we see similar dividends that we see there. But I suspect you might, Uh, although it looks like Adobe again, this is Nvidia at play here. It looks like a lot of that super resolution might be GPU based. So it may not matter that much if you have a big fat GPU, but there are a lot of things that take advantage of it. And you can, you can bet your butt Intel is pushing AVX 512. They've integrated into servers, laptops and now finally in desktop their philosophy i think on this is like look hey yeah we like geforce 2 but look this is everywhere this is on servers laptops and on desktops it's everywhere and it's for free everybody has it you support avx 512 dl boost you know you get a pickup in your application across the board not only for nvidia Right. Even if your customers have an AMD or maybe one of our graphics cards, they get a boost. So that's their long play here, I think.
2: It's kind of like when uh, that reminds me of when NVIDIA rolled out ray tracing support for the 10 series cards, even though they don't have dedicated hardware. It's so that they can say, hey, look, we have 20 million people on ray tracing capable GPUs. It's the same kind of a deal with AVX twelve right now. I think a lot of desktop and laptop users aren't going to use it, but they need. It's like a chicken in the egg. It's a way to massage that kind of scenario.
0: So. But yeah, but it is it is rapidly being a thing. There's a reason why your iPhone is so damn fast, right? Mm-hmm. A lot yeah, of that is just big. so it's it's real. But yeah, you may not understand it if you basically drive Word all day and Outlook. Yeah, who cares? Right now,
1: maybe or Microsoft will take advantage gamer? of gamer. Too,
0: right or even a gamer but you know it's possible later on this is applied more and more to games it's long-term play and again you don't have to buy because we're talking by the time most technologies ever mature to the point where you it matters to you you're buying a new one anyway so
2: so speaking of buying them uh i'm not incredibly blown away with the eleven nine hundred k myself uh I, I i might have been a bit more harsh than your review was if i was reviewing it in fact yeah I'm- uh one issue with me is the price. Is it 525 550 539 is the official list price. So, yeah, at 539 it's effectively competing, in theory, with the Ryzen 9 5900X, which offers four co- four more cores, eight more threads, and effectively the same gaming performance. So... I mean that is a no brainer for me. AMD wins. The the issue is you can might be able to actually buy these Intel chips, right? Because right now the the AMD chips are like seven hundred bucks if you can find them.
0: Yeah, you'd be lucky to if you could get it for seven hundred dollars. I will Venmo a check for seven hundred dollars because you <laughs> yeah. can't.
2: So it's it's like the same reason that Nvidia priced the RTX thirty sixty at three hundred thirty bucks and AMD priced the sixty seven hundred XT at four eighty. It's because chips are in a in a crunch right now so they're charging more so they can make more money their business i get it i'm disappointed in the price nonetheless i'm disappointed actually i was sitting here reading all the various reviews yours other ones across the internet this morning and i realized i think the issue i have with this chip is that they call it core i9 uh, going back, dropping the extra two cores makes a big difference to me. Like, if if you're going Core i9 versus Ryzen 9, it clearly loses versus Ryzen. That's what we were just talking about. If you want to drop back to comparing against AMD, uh, its Ryzen 7 5800 chip is 450 bucks, and that'll give you roughly the same application support, roughly the same gaming for $100 less. Uh And I really feel I can get why they want to keep Core i9 going as a brand, but for this weird in-between Rocket Lake step where they do have to drop the two extra cores back and don't gain a definitive lean, lead in gaming either, I think I'd be a lot more comfortable with this chip if it was the Core i7, if it ended there with the Core i7 flagship and it was priced around 400 to 450 bucks. I think I'd be a lot more enthusiastic about it. Five hundred and fifty bucks is just a ridiculous ask for this chip, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think this is one of those weird things where, as a reviewer, I, the pricing stuff is so out of control right now. Because you know, honestly, I was like, I was like, you need like a spreadsheet just to figure out where this is. Because, like, yeah, this compares to five thousand nine hundred X, which again, I've been watching for the last week to see if AMD sort of drops suddenly. A thousand of them out there just to sort of spoil intel, but I've not seen fifty nine hundred. It's really a nine hundred to a thousand dollar CPU, right? Ooh. And I versus and you know I will say today uh, we finally see you know initial retail pricing for Rocket Lake the i nine part six thirteen six. Of course, that's just first day launch stuff. We got to imagine in a month from now, it might be back down to 550 and then maybe three mm-hmm. months, two months, it might be even lower because Intel's got really, really aggressive with pricing. But then I started like, well, so look, I got i9. like the i Why even have the i7? Because you have the i9, i7, same core count, slightly lower clocks. It was weird. Yeah. And then you have the 5800X at 450, which is supposed to fight the i7 part, right? Mm-hmm. But then I was like, it's like it doesn't really make sense. I understand where you're coming from. Why even make an i nine? But um, I think they shouldn't. I think. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're Intel and you're a business and y- you want to make money, you you need a part to compete. To be honest, no no, your average person is not going to walk on a Costco and like, oh my god, I'm going to walk. I'm going to watch 25 hours of Gamers Nexus videos, read 400 <laughs> reviews at a non-tech, and then see what this moron Gordon has to say before I buy it. They're like, Hey, this box has a Core i9 badge on it. It's better than Core i7 because it's two more. I'm going to buy that. A lot yeah, of people and just. Ryzen simply, 9.
2: Ryzen 9. Right? I mean, Ryzen.
0: 6900 XT, right? A lot of people simply buy <laughs> based on the model number and it is, you know, clearly higher clocks in i7 so it's going to be slightly faster a lot of this i think i9 is really profit taking they mm-hmm. it also lets them it also lets intel push it a very very extreme part that they don't have to sort of you know the i9 could be a lot more limited because they know people might buy the i7 but the i9 is there to for the people who just want the best and they see that number and then also. They can also push the very t- tippy top cream of the crop CPUs into that, that bin it, it it would be irresponsible for them not to introduce an I9 and charge the money for what they did, to well, be honest.
1: And yeah, I- but I
2: don't think they offered enough extra stuff to make it worth like I what did they see? the they get the advanced boost, whatever, the fiftieth yeah. boost technology. I forget the name. But Adaptive Boost. Adaptive Boost. And that's is there anything else that Core I9 offers? That's literally well, it, right? <clears throat> But I think all those, yeah, and and you could probably
0: argue, like, you know what, those clock speeds are probably 4%, if that, 5% over i7. But
2: Mm but for the people who want it, they want that 5%.
0: Brad, I think the thing people don't understand is not everybody is Elena, and it's not all about value, and it's not all about, well, that's crazy. Why are you running a 3080 card on your 1080p panel at 60 hertz? You know, I bet if you actually went and looked, the amount of people running 3080s on on t- 1080p panels is like well, that's a lot of people because a lot of people, frankly, don't know. So it is very cynical. It is, but that is that is the nature of capitalism. If you want to pay me more for something that isn't that much better, uh, I'm not going to stop you from giving me your check. Who's going to be that that salesperson? It's like, oh, don't don't buy this. You should just buy this. You know what you are? You are one fired salesperson is what you are. So that's that's not the reality yep. we live in.
2: I get Uh, that, but I also think Intel is struggling with uh, PR reception, marketing public perception of this chip. And I think like, you can buy a 5800X right now, and to me that is a much more natural competitor for this part than the 5900X, and that's $100 cheaper plus. And you can actually buy the 5800 Xs right now. And I think Intel would have had a much more positive reception if they had priced its flagship in line with a realistic competitor in the real world. Doesn't that look bad though,
0: Brad? I mean, that they don't even have that top strata. So if you have a 10th Gen i9, your mm-hmm. top strata part, that your new i7 outperforms the older one, and you're going to charge less for it? I don't know if that... I mean, I, I get you. I, I understand the. it would be nice to curry favor with the community. That would be great and awesome and all that stuff. But I'm not...
2: Well, they could still that- charge five hundred bucks for it. <laughs> they well, could still, they- <laughs> out of the gate, charge the new adopter fee. Every company
0: does. <laughs> so you're basically saying, you know what? We can't touch this. That Ryzen nine. That's just like, hey, we give up. We're 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 not going to play in that league. We're gonna we're gonna. I mean, I can see where you're saying. That's Let's the take I, I nine. Get. If they'd taken the the i nine and basically focusing on, we are going to kick the crap out of the the fifty eight hundred X. Yep. Maybe. I mean, because I mean. Definitely does not outperform fifty, and also the 5800X can't run away on like we got 12 cores, right? So that that would be interesting. (sighs) I don't know if that works for when you consider just how big Intel is and how they still move the vast majority of desktop processors.
1: And I'll add on that too. There are plenty of people who see an i nine just want to get it. They're also plenty of people who are like not even is not even an option. it's just like, oh, you know, sure, you know, I, I either they've been burned by AMD or they just you know had, who knows, don't even know that AMD's a, a, a better value or something like that. It's just like, oh, I'm I'm gonna get Intel. What's the best Intel? I mean this you know, generationally ten nine hundred K versus eleven nine hundred K, even though it has two less cores, I was surprised. There were plenty of times where the uh the the newer chip beat The older chip even with two less cores uh like so i mean sure on paper it it looks bad but i was just like oh well if you're only intel or you know and that's your only choice that is still the best chip uh sure it's not maybe not the best deal and sure maybe somebody should consider amd but i think there are still plenty of people out there who don't Uh,
2: Yeah. yeah i'm fine i'm fine with that like, I don't I don't disagree. I mean, like, I tend to buy the 80Ti class graphics cards myself because I do this for a job, right? So I bought a 1080Ti and a 2080Ti. Uh, so I get that. But I don't know. It's just $100 more than a comparable part. And I can get where what we're all saying. Like, if you're going to get Intel and going to get the fastest it has, this is an option. But to me, this being $100 more than the 5800X... It offering no additional cores, just a few hundred gigahertz more clock speed compared to the Core i7. Megahertz. And megahertz, sorry. And, uh you know, it not pulling that far ahead of the 10900K in gaming, which a lot of people buy this stuff for. And you can get the 10850K, I think it was called, the, the one that yeah. lost 100, for like 330 bucks these days. I don't know, like the pricing... I mean, if you're With talking about just gaming, course, though,
1: you shouldn't be looking at any of these anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah like it's, there it's, are better it chips just, seems just, like just for a misfire to me. Yeah,
0: yeah and I hear you, Brad. Because I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, that, again, that's the whole weirdness of the price. The whole yeah pricing has been insane, <clears throat> and not it's not GPU crazy, but the CPUs have been crazy because, you know, basically five hundred forty eleven hundred eleven nine hundred versus. About four fifty, four forty for the 10,900. And then that 10,850K was like, it's actually about 380 now street, mm-hmm. but it was, it was like Micro Center. If you live near a Micro Center, it was 330. That was the killer bargain. Like, I, and that's the one thing, like, I sort of think, like, you know, like, yeah, you know, 5800X is really nice. I'm buying a 10,850K for $330, you know, because <laughs> that's $120 I can put toward my scalp GPU, right? So,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: For a lot of gaming, it's not really going to make that much of a difference. I mean, better GPU is always better. So um, I, the Depending whole pricing thing is crazy. Yeah. And, and I will say what's interesting is because I was talking with Elaine about pricing yesterday. And, you know, because the 5600X and 5800X, which basically have been hard to get for months and months and months, suddenly magically showed up everywhere at this price about three weeks ago. Like, oh, hey, it's actually Atlas price on Amazon, new egg, many, many stores. The 5600X, nowhere to be found now, right? Is that going to come back into stock or is that just a temporary we're going to mess with Intel thing? I hope it's just simply, you know what, everybody bought them all, there's more coming. Mm-hmm. But if 5800X, if we sort of get through this review period and you don't see 5800X for another two months, then... You know what exactly was, you know, we're just in that weird world where you, you can't count on things to be in stock anymore. And the last, in the last seventeen months, felt like you just you can't even use any normal price mathing on any uh, price math on anything. So I, I don't
2: know. I, but I do that's, hear that's what that's you're Intel's saying. Intel's big chance here, really, right? Because the only way this makes sense, in my opinion, is if you can actually buy these readily at a store at list price. And you can't do AMD. That's the only way this pricing makes sense for me, which is something Intel could very well do and AMD could not. So it's a very real possibility, but that's the only way it makes sense for me. And I just
0: kind of wonder, because, I mean, we went from when Zen 3 came out, it was like, oh, my God. Zen 3 was just such a monster CPU, just like it put Comet Lake down, right? That like threw it out of the ring, right? And then it was like, yeah, everybody was like, you would never, why would you want a 10th gen? Are you crazy? You can get a Zen 3, Zen 3, Zen 3, Zen 3. Hmm. Intel's like, oh, where's your Zen 3 now? You can't, mm-hmm. oh, you can get a 10850 for $330. Why don't you go buy your Zen 3 for like mm-hmm. Ryzen 5 5600 for $400, right? It was just kind of like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we, we, we just went through this whole period where Intel was like, everybody's, you know best friend for selling cpus at you know at really good prices if it turns into that over the next three months then all this sort of all this teeth gnashing and hand wringing will be forgotten again so
2: yeah yeah the important thing is all these chips are good like whatever you can get your hands on it's good stuff which is important at time when it's hard to get i was looking to upgrade my entire system this year but i just said
1: now, that's gonna be next year. <laughs> uh, I, I, speaking of availability, just sell
2: I, your twenty eighty Ti and buy a whole new box.
1: <laughs> um, speaking of availability, I, I do have a, a question from a, a Angel Ivanov uh, asked um, uh, that. Well, how do, how do you see availability? We, we talked about that. Uh, if Intel is widely available, would that force AMD prices down?
0: I don't think it would because AMD doesn't seem like it's chasing market share. And frankly, AMD is limited by the amount of chips it can sell, period. If it can sell them for the same price and make the same profit, the minute they, they comes, the minute they put it in that box, somebody's got their hand out for it. There's no reason to cut pricing. There's no reason to get into a price war with Intel. And it's really funny because remember people were saying, Oh, could they do an XT part? Could they do a 5900 XT to compete with, you know, Rocket Lake? It's like AMD's response to Rocket Lake is we will just simply make more 5900 X's, right? Of course they have to do that. They don't even really need to reach deeper to make a a higher clock chip because they don't really need it. They, and I think, you know, again, These, just like your sports teams, are corporations that are for-profit. They want to make money. So they want to make more money. So there's no reason to cut prices to compete with Intel.
2: And like what I was just saying, I think at the high end, I think AMD in a vacuum, ignoring all the real-world pricing craziness, just looking at MSRPs, I think AMD is very competitive at the high end. I think the only place that it might want to shave stuff down, but I agree with Gordon, I don't think they're going to, would be the 5600X because the 11600K looks like it smokes.
0: Yeah, I mean that's weird. I mean, yeah, let's see how the supplies of all these parts shake out in a couple of months. That's that'll be the telling part. But yeah, that eleven six hundred K looks good. And again, even the fifty eight hundred X, which I, I, at some point I guess I'll swap in once I'm done with all these other reviews. But I mean, you don't have the twelve cores to to lean on, so it's still eight versus eight.
2: It's a hundred dollars cheaper. <laughs> it's
0: a hundred dollars cheaper. Is it really? Will it be a hundred dollars cheaper in a month is what I want to know. Yeah. Cause so that's, that's the telling question. So yes.
1: Yep. <laughs> um, the next question is from, uh, I have no name, uh, said, what about stability? Reviewers say it's the most unstable platform Intel has ever released.
0: I think I had one blue screen the whole time and I, I wasn't sure if it was a power transient because the USB light that I had plugged in also sort of winked out. And it wasn't plugged into the system. It was plugged into a socket. I think I may have had a power transient. I never had any crashing. Of course, I don't do overclocking. You know, we basically ran, you know, max settings but stock. We I did not do overclocking. Frankly, Intel claims you can overclock this, but the amount of power it's using feels like an overclock part already. So... <laughs> Um, I did not have stability problems. If I did, you it would obviously have to be reported because you can't have something crash all day and then not report it. So no, I did not have issues. I'd like to see if there are issues with it because it's weird. I mean, it does. the Again, I realistically, in everyday use, it's not going to use all the power somebody might tell you it is. But it is eye-opening to see something climb up to almost... It feels like... A Pentium 4 in the early days is like, holy smokes, you know, it's just like, the, and of course, Pentium 4 is, is a different age, but it just feels like a really stressed out part that is pushing it as, as hard as it can.
2: For what it's worth, I read most of the major reviews and watched most of the major review videos this morning. And I didn't see any widespread or extremely strong complaints about stability in any of the ones that I saw this morning. So I'm sure whoever asked that question must have seen it somewhere. But I didn't see it as a recurring theme amongst reviews this morning. But I did see several people say it's real hard to get overclocks out of this. They can't push it very far at all before it just stops. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll have to
0: see. I mean, the fact that they are saying overclocking does is a – I've always kind of – my feeling is for practical people, overclocking has long been dead. Intel and AMD have taken all of your overclocking and put it into, you know, a boost, right? So, yeah. like, we're just going to run. And it's actually, in a way, it's better. But uh, I think it's probably too early to determine, you know, the overclocking stability of this. I, you know, give it a little time. You know, I was just, it's interesting. I was, G-Skill sent over a, an announcement today that they have DDR4. 5333 memory for Z590. So they certified 5333. I think it's CL22. But definitely you're getting very high memory clocks out of it. So yeah, CL22. 5333 CL22 16 gig 2x8 kit. And 4800 at CL17. So...
2: His memory works, controller, and it works with two high-end motherboards and the most sweetest picked silicon lottery CPU you could ever find.
0: Well, typically they they do they they qual for certain motherboards. Yeah, they're not yeah. gonna. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think I think it's probably too early to say. But you know, I mean, overclocking is that's a different. It's a it's a different area. I mean, the the competitive overclocking. I really consider that to be like drag racers, where. You know what? If you win the drag race, but you blow the engine up, that's actually, that's worth it. That's like the price to pay for winning a drag race. Um, I think for practical overclocking, you just sort of want a little bit more out of it and you want to run 24 seven without issues. So to me, that's the more practical overclocking. That's my definition of my world of, of what overclocking would be useful for.
2: Yep. Same.
1: A uh, couple more questions, uh, and then we can move on, because we've been talking about this a while. Oh, yeah. Um, R- Ruru2, a friend of the show, uh, asked, uh, will a ma- more mature BIOS give this better performance since Rocket Lake architecture is a new design for 10 nanometer but crammed onto 14 nanometer process? So do you think it'll improve drastically over time?
0: I I doubt it. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen an age where you have a launch... You have the launch... BIOS is where suddenly, oh, hey, here's 20% we left on the floor we didn't see in a drawer. I don't think that's ever happened. You might get small improvements. You might get more stability. We see that in most of the, the, the modern CPUs, but I don't, I don't think it changes it too much. You know, sometimes it comes from the OS where, you know, you had those scheduling issues with Ryzen that, you know, was fixing Windows at one point, but I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think you should expect magical performance to drop out of, of Rocket Lake. But where, you know, again, this the long game is you see more and more applications take advantage of DL Boost and all the you know AI machine learning functions, and maybe those, maybe the quick sync. So that's where where a lot of the gains for Rocket Lake will pick up. A lot of the other sort of traditional stuff is not going to change, I don't think.
1: Okay, uh, and last one, uh, a G D old channel archive. Uh what uh what do you think about your results compared to Ian Cutress's early results? Obviously it was a different chip, but you know, what what can you gather <coughs> from the, that early one?
0: You know, I think I would honestly say they were they were very similar and um he had a i7 part, I had the i9 part. He didn't have some of the final bonuses, but it was pretty close. I mean, Ian uh, Steve, everybody who reviewed i7, like, woo, look at the power. Power, same thing here. Power levels are eye-opening, kind of like make you kind of like lean back a little bit. As far as results, I think that always comes down to uh, benchmarks. Everybody runs different benchmarks to look at different things. You know, um he has a pretty comprehensive suite. A lot of it's focused more in sort of the, you know, computer science folks stuff, You know, Mines is a little more, leans a little more into, you know, applications, you know, real-world applications, like looking at sort of the Adobe stuff. And I think you just – I think they compare well. I don't think – um, I don't think you could say, oh, my God, these are totally at odds. I think it's – again, if you are doing deep research into buying your next CPU, watch our reviews, watch Anontex, watch Tom's Hardware, Gamers Nexus, Jay's – Kyle, the whole list, the whole you know everybody. Paul, you know, gotta throw shout out to Paul here. Everybody, watch everybody, make your determination because everybody uses different benchmarks. Everybody uses different benchmarks. They lean into different things. Take all that, add it up, and decide whether it's good for you or not. There's no one place that you're gonna shop and say, yeah, this is right. There's no such thing. It's just, it's just not. It's and it's not the way you should buy anything. You should. I'm not. I'm not saying. We're wrong. What I'm saying is we have a different take than somebody else has a different take. So be responsible. It's your money you're spending. I'm not spending your money. So, you know, get many, many opinions and then form your own opinion. Don't do what should I buy. Form your own opinion.
1: Cool. All right. And uh, anything else to cover about this review specifically or should we move on to other intel news?
0: No, I mean, we'll just see. I think really what it comes down to is pricing and availability, right? In a month and a half, if AMD shocks and Oz Intel with suddenly availability, 5,000, this part is going to look <laughs> going to look really, really old in a lot of ways. But, you know, it is still, for people, I do want to say, if anybody's thinking they should never have made this and they should have just stuck with old-ass Comet Lake, I don't think so. My numbers say... This is definitely a better part than Comet Lake. And I think it's an improvement. If I had a choice, if the prices of Comet Lake weren't so awesome, which is the, the weird part of Comet Lake, I would take a Rocket Lake over Comet Lake. I would take a Ryzen not, <laughs> over a Rocket Lake part, but probably can't get it. <laughs> uh,
1: Stupid <all> right. logistics. <laughs> well, let's, yeah,
0: uh... Adam had a joke earlier. He said, that all, he said AMD had all of the new Ryzen... Uh, Nine fifty nine hundreds and the Ryzen nine fifty. Yeah, Adam. Breaking news here. Adam knows there's like thousands, tens of thousands of Ryzen nine fifty nine hundred X and Ryzen nine fifty nine fifty Xs. Where are they right the, now, uh, Adam?
1: They were they were just about to land in time for this review, but they got stuck in the Suez Canal on a, on a yeah. boat. I, 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 somebody said the name somewhere. I don't know, but it was it was stuck on a boat somewhere. So it's going to be a little late. Never given. But I promise it's it's Something coming. Ever given. It's, it's coming. <laughs> all those chips he's joking uh, folks he's he's joking yeah we're just kidding
0: <laughs> um that would be funny though wouldn't it <laughs> like you see the picture and they have the one container it has a big amd ryzen logo on it's like why well, it's right there <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then yeah you just see like lisa, Sue lisa just, like, sue's crying. like crying pounding like, <laughs> on
0: the keyboard like
1: dah, dah. <laughs> yeah just it just get, get a helicopter in for there. get a helicopter in there pull that crate off get it out there yeah anyway
0: you know, the funny thing is, like, you would be, like, the AMD thing, and then underneath is, like, you see the big box with the NVIDIA GeForce logo on it. And Jensen's, like, smashing his keyboard at home, like, I need those GPUs now!
1: <laughs> yeah. That's funny. All right. Uh, so yeah. Intel had a bunch of other stuff, uh, specifically the, the one that I kind of uh, glommed on to was that the, they're going to build x86 six chips for other people, huh? We we were I feel like we were just talking about this, weren't we?
0: Was it, uh, th- there's a lot of nuance to it. Cause I actually watched, so, you know, there's a new CEO, Pat Gelsinger. Well, new. He's, he's old to Intel, but he's new to the CEO position. And he had a lot of news. And I think what are the, the big ones? Foundry service.
2: Yep. So, so they are going to be making chips for other people. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Intel is basically saying, well, I guess actually, no, the bigger news is like, actually, we are going to be making our own chips. Intel is still a foundry company. Intel basically will be making the bulk of its chips at Intel is what it sounds like. Eventually. Is that is that correct?
2: Brad? Uh, yes. They did say that they're gonna use other foundries for now and they're looking to take over performance leadership by twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five.
0: Yeah, long time from now. But they're the big news is they're gonna use other foundries to make leading cores i think right so obviously there's been a lot of rumors of tsmc uh, potentially fabbing intel parts x86 parts which would be the new thing
2: yep yep and go ahead and they're also going to have their own foundry services where they will provide for the first time really i think in a more open way uh they will make and design chips for other companies not just ARM, not just RISC-V as well, but also its own Secret Sauce x86 cores to some degree, though the details are murky at this point. So Intel will make other co- and design x86 chips for other companies.
0: Wouldn't that be crazy? Could you imagine <laughs> Intel?
2: I mean, that's sort of like,
0: <clears throat> well, I guess, I don't know. That would be weird, but could they make AMD CPUs? I mean, that's that would be insane, but... I don't think the the shareholders would ever be happy with that, but I mean, also, isn't there sort of this thing where it's sort of implied that they they will be making custom x eighty six parts for people? Mm-hmm. Like, you want to order an i seven, but you don't want this, or you don't want that, you don't want the IGP, or you want to cut this off? They might possibly do that.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the one of the big news that they're doing. They will design. They're making some of its x eighty six intellectual property kind of available and. All that kind of stuff. The details are gonna matter very, very much. Like the specifics of all this stuff. It gets incredibly nuanced, but that is the broad strokes gist of Intel's gonna be making eighty six chips. X eighty six. Do you know it'll be a foundry I- like TMC? It said it'll make a risk, it'll make ARM, it'll make X eighty six. That's just totally different. They said something similar under Brian Kurzanich something like seven or eight years ago. But that failed from what I heard because uh they kept all their secret sauce. So they were very like, they kept a lot of their foundry, like their secret sauce close to the chest, even though they were selling out this stuff. It sounds like this is a much more like, we want to be open. We want to have a foundry. We're going to start using these standard industry design tools rather than our weird proprietary stuff. So you could take your existing designs and bring them over here. It actually sounds like a huge change for Intel. Yeah. And then one of the other things that it's
0: not really clear to me is our have you read this? Are they actually open to, to licensing out x86? Because it doesn't sound like they are. I mean, but I, uh, I was wondering if that was mixed up in the news. Where, you know, because f- traditionally Intel and AMD, the only, well, and maybe VIA, there's only very few people that can actually make x86 without getting their butt suit off. Mm-hmm. So it did sound like they're saying they may. Was that, or is that, maybe I just heard that wrong.
2: They- I think if you're going to want an x86 chip. You're probably, they're probably going to want you going to them is the impression I got from that. I mean, of course, you know, TSMC makes x 6 chips for AMD, of course. Right. But only AMD and Intel really are the only two major ones who can use it. So if you want to make an xa 86 chip of your own, you're going to have to go through Intel, basically.
0: You know, I was really surprised, too. I was reading a story on – oh, no, it's actually – it was EE Times, but it actually ends up on, on Seeking Alpha. Um, they're basically – they broke down the uh, TSMC customer revenue by share, and I didn't know that Intel was such a large customer of TSMC already. Basically, AMD is 7.3% of TSMC's revenue in 2020 was, was AMD 7.3%. A- Intel as a percent of TSMC revenue was 6% of, of TSMC revenue and, and Nvidia was 7.7. Obviously, Nvidia is using more Samsung now, but.
2: So that's effectively the same. Effectively yeah, equal. that's
0: like.
1: Hmm. Well, But I think, that-
2: AMD, I think AMD serves as like a flagship customer for them, just like Apple, where they're like, yeah, you know, AMD is doing this cutting edge stuff on, you know, the, the bleeding edge of what's possible. And they're doing that with TSMC, whereas Intel is using it to like fill in capacity. So I think they, yeah. AMD might still have a bit of a special relationship there.
0: Yeah, but- I think so, because, you know, a lot of the stuff TSMC is building is like maybe Wi-Fi chipsets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, uh, I don't. I don't know uh, necessarily what they got this, uh, but Vignesh, friend of the show, said uh, TSMC has already said Intel is going to be its lowest priority. What's Google's take on that? Have we heard that?
2: I've I've seen that said. I'm not sure I've ever seen it confirmed from any official sources. I think it might be a rumor. If they did, I don't think a major. business like tsmc would come out and say hey this other company that's six percent of our business is going to be our lowest priority so i, I kind of doubt that <laughs> <laughs> that
1: would be weird to say that publicly right?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah one thing one thing that we haven't mentioned yet that's super interesting too is pat Gelsinger, the new ceo for intel said hey we're going to get back to tiktok because you remember they were tiktok forever you know node architecture node architecture <sighs> And they had to, during this 14 nanometer quagmire, they had to kick that to the side and they tried coming up with something like process optimization, shrink, like a um, three or four step process, as opposed to good old TikTok. And Pat Gelsinger, in his uh, IDM 2.0 speech, Engineering in the Future, said, Hey, we're going to get back to TikTok. That's what we need. We need TikTok. So hopefully that's true.
0: Yeah, that's very aggressive, right? I mean, it feels yeah. like it sounds like old Intel. I mean, it, it sort of makes sense because you know he was there in the glory days, so mm-hmm. sort of using those that playbook from the days when Intel used to kick everybody's butt is is interesting. I guess it really comes down to whether the process manufacturing process can do what Intel used to do, right? So
2: yeah, it's going to depend how they refigure it. I'm really glad about the order that they scheduled these events, actually. Because last week when this all came out, I'm like, "Oh, this sounds cool! This is awesome! I love all this stuff." Uh, if they had done this next week in the wake of Rocket Lake, I think I'd be a little less pumped about it. So I'm kind of glad <laughs> at the order that they decided to hold these events.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> are you? It sounds like I'm. I'm sorry to get back to Rocket. You sound like you've. You sound kind of like. A little just bummed out by League. You just think the i nine. It's part fine.
2: It? It's just like I said on the RTX 3060. It's fine. I mean, I am just. I think it should have been a Core i7 and priced at 400 bucks if they want that part to be competitive in a vacuum. But the real world is so weird these days. Who knows?
1: Yeah. No. Vignesh <laughs> uh, follows up um, and says uh, Linus got that from one of his sources. He said it was partially due to Intel becoming a competitor in contract silicon fabrication with Intel Foundry Services. So that's that really would make a lot of truth. sense.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it's one of those things. I, I, I'm sure TSMC sees it, Intel as a potential real competitor. But then also, you know, you you pay me enough money, and <laughs> I can I can forget a lot of really terrible things. You know, so I, you never know what that that money speaks. So we'll see, right? I mean, but I don't. I wonder if, cause I mean, we don't really know what the plans are. The lot, most of the, the speculation is that TSMC would be building GPU cores for like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the XE parts would be coming out of TSMC. Yeah, the
2: discrete but, ones, right. the desktop ones. Yeah.
0: You know, the other thing too is, uh, the tiling, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't talk about the packaging technologies. Clearly, uh, it was, you know, again, He, uh, Pat Gelsinger said like, yeah, you know, yeah, okay, yeah. It hasn't been great. Our process hasn't been great. Our packaging though has been awesome. Mm -hmm. So with eMib and the ability to basically Lego a bunch of chips together, different, different process technologies, we think that's the path for the future. We think it's superior to, you know, other competing designs. So that's also a lot of things that uh, Intel is sort of hinging its future on. And, you know, the, the eMib, Tiling technology was showed off maybe four or five years ago. So,
1: Sorry, for a the, second the there. I, I thought me- you were talking about the box, the packaging itself.
0: <laughs> like, oh, yeah. We yes. did really good packaging.
1: Yes, we- <laughs> He's like, you know what we got on for- lock? Packaging.
2: <laughs> for me, my like biggest that- takeaway take from all this, uh, I think these are all super interesting announcements. And I'm actually – it's weird I have mixed feelings today because, as we were just alluding to, I am not super high. On the 11900K. Although I'm fine with Rocket League in general. But I'm super excited for all these announcements. Because if you remember. Intel got into this situation. Because they spent so long. Buying into the PC is dead height. To some degree. (laughs) Obviously they are a cornerstone of the PC. And they didn't fully go down that path. But if you went to Intel events in years past. They would be talking about drones. And they'd be talking about wearables. And they'd be talking about this and that. I think and that's what left the door open for AMD to strike with Ryzen. And I think for Intel to name this new CEO who is an old hand at Intel, has everybody who works there fired up for him to come out in one of his first big, I think it might be his first big uh, event as the CEO of the company and say, Hey, you know, we're getting back on TikTok, We're doing a foundry. We're investing $20 billion in this, and we're going to go out there and kick some ass. I mean, that's great. That's what you want to see out of intel so i i find this very encouraging news
0: yeah no i'm I'm with you too because it's i mean people still believe the pc is dead i mean obviously they've been saying that for 25 years but there's still people who actually think it's dead so it's good to see them say like yeah we know it's not going away right so that that is definitely a change from doing drones and
2: Yeah, smart. I think it it kind of floundered under Brian Kurzanich's watch, however you pronounce it. He was very much interested in diversifying and putting the focus elsewhere. So I'm just I'm real pumped to see Gelsinger come out and be like, all right, we're gonna start whooping some butt. Let's get at this boys. Yeah, you know, it's really funny because
0: it kind of parallels the early days you know of the two thousands, too, because you know, Intel at that time, you know, had had no more no more kingdoms to conquer and you get, it gets to the point where you're like, I just want more money somewhere else. So I remember at the time it was like, we're going to do wireless technology. We want to be Cisco. There are all these other things that Intel started to diversify into, came out with the Pentium 4, hit that process, you know, they, you know, they were, same thing, hit a massive process uh, roadblock, AMD showed up and clocked them right in the face. It's so funny that it feels like it parallels that in a lot of ways where, Intel is still the giant, and it takes its attention off of its core business, and AMD comes up, and we see the exact same thing again almost 20 years later, where AMD is doing awesome, and and Intel had been building drones and smart watches and that kind of stuff. So, is it gonna is it gonna work out this time though? Is is the real question? You know, I think that previous time. There is no question that eventually the ship would be righted, right? There was just simply no question. Everybody's like, yeah, it'll be ugly for a while. but, And, of course, it was uglier longer than a while because basically AMD clocked the Pentium 3. And then the Pentium 4, I remember having a conversation with, with an analyst. This is because I like old stories, right? I was talking with the analyst. He was like... Does anybody really believe Intel's going to spend a hundred million dollars to lose the AMD with their next CPU? (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's really hard to believe. Oh no, actually, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know this time. It's definitely harder this time. You know, clearly Moore's law is slowing. There's a lot of things really against it, but also people have to understand. I don't know what this is with the internet where it just wants, it gets into a echo chamber of just shouting Intel is a $250 billion market cap company. And I was reading they made $6 billion since last quarter. And the stock is trading at a five year high. So if you in your sub 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 Reddit think that somehow Intel is just going to like vanish and go away, it is not going to happen anytime soon. So, it, you know, I think that's what people need to keep in mind sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like the the whole core I nine thing. Like, I know it irks you, Brad. I know it irks. Some people who think this thing should have been $400. <laughs> you want to see how much money I just got in this last quarter, you know, at your Intel. And you're like, mm-hmm. these core I nine parts probably make a really pretty penny. And it makes a lot of sense to just sell the I nine part, even though it may not be all that different than the I seven part, but people pay for it. It's, and a, money it's is a lot what better value for.
2: than that ten that first ten core chip was, so I can't get too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, any other Intel future stuff or should we talk about and NVIDIA now? Oh stuff? yes yeah let's let's get okay. to that Brad what you yeah you I can, literally I can that just one. you literally just posted uh, an article right right before we went live <laughs> or submitted an article.
2: yeah, I didn't even post it. I filed it. Part of the filed reason it, yeah. that <laughs> we were late is because I wrote this before I jumped in. uh so yeah, uh Nvidia promised it would make resizable bar support available uh, for its GeForce RTX thirty series cards by the end of March. It's the next to the last day of March, and the new drivers that went out today. Do just that. So Resizable BAR, just a quick recap for people who might not know, is an underlying PCIe technology that anybody can support, but every company was ignoring until AMD rolled it out with its new Radeon and Ryzen parts in the form of smart access memory. It basically lets your CPU connect to the entire memory buffer of your graphics card rather than just little slices which can increase performance. Uh, It varies. Most of them are very modest. Some games see sizable performance increases, you know. Uh, But yeah, there's a performance uplift is the important point. So AMD beat NVIDIA out of the gate with this. NVIDIA obviously has been looking to come back with it. Uh, The RTX 3060 was the first card, desktop card to support resizable bar when it came out last month and today nvidia's new geforce drivers unlock it for every other rtx 30 series gpu uh, but it's not quite that simple uh, whereas with amd if you pair uh radeon 6000 part with a resin 5000 part it'll just work right you might have to turn it on in the bios that's the extent of it uh with rtx 30 series this initial one You not only have to download these drivers first before you do anything else, AMD, uh, not pardon me, NVIDIA stressed that very strongly in its post, download these drivers before you do the rest, because not only do you need the drivers, you need to have the manufacturer of your specific graphics card release a new VBIOS that you install to activate resizable bar support. So this is... A deep enough technical level that driver alone can't fix it. Driver is part of it that you need. You need a new VBIOS. So, obviously, NVIDIA is releasing new VBIOSes that support resizable bar for its Founders Edition cards. Uh, EVGA just today put out a bunch for all their cards. They're one of the biggest partners. Uh, I've seen them for Galax, I think, as well. But you're going to need that new VBIOS. You're going to need the driver. Uh, you're also going to need a compatible motherboard and CPU. The easiest way to do that is with one of the new Rocket Lake platforms or Ryzen 5000 platform. All this stuff needs to support resizable bar. And then if you get all that stuff, you turn it on the BIOS, uh, you'll have resizable bar support on the RTX 30 series. Uh, one difference between it and AMD right now is AMD allows it on everything. Any game that you have, it can run with resizable bar or as they call it, smart access memory. Uh, NVIDIA, this debut incarnation, only supports 17 games. Uh, And looking at the list, it's mostly games with built-in benchmarks that reviewers tend to like. So it's not necessarily even super popular games. It's games like Godfall, Hitman 2, Borderlands 3, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So... This is good inroads. It's good to see NVIDIA supporting this feature because I can't wait for this feature to just be table stakes. You know, a year from now, everything's just going to support this. Your games will be a little faster. It's great. Uh, This starts that journey. Uh, But for today, you're going to need very specific hardware and software to enable it, and it will only work in 17 titles, all of which I have in my article on PC World.
1: So. Question so i have a question i have is as a noob so this means that any any cpu uh well and I guess it has to be a compatible motherboard, but i mean like from now on past rocket lake and and ryzen five thousand will it just be part of the system or like it will like it will will there ever be a chance to to not have that support i i guess the oh, you could have the I, chip, but you might not I have think- the motherboard.
2: Yeah, you might have the motherboard and might have the wrong BIOS. You might have the graphics card already and it might have the wrong BIOS. So you're going to need to check the BIOS and the hardware. I would think any new hardware that comes out from now on, like if a 3080 Ti does come out or a new, you know, Rocket Lake motherboard comes out, I would expect those to have these, you know, support baked in by default going forward. It's going to become table stakes. We're at that awkward phase right now where Intel and NVIDIA are trying to catch up to what AMD did. So they have to use these weird VBIOS uh, updates and stuff to hmm. get everyone on the same page.
0: Huh. That's very interesting because I, you know, I've been doing um, uh, resizable bar updates on some of the laptops so far. And, you know, that's been the laptop BIOS and VBIOS.
2: I don't know if the driver, did I need driver support for it as well? Uh, as part of the announcement today, they said it's supported on all desktop and laptop cards. Uh, so I'm no, I, not I, sure.
0: So when you would go into the, the NVIDIA control panel and you do system information, it would tell you what features it supported, including including rebar. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm wondering, though, is, is yeah, it, it, rebar is supported, but does the driver enable it yet, is what I'm wondering if previous... If it's worth kind of like re looking at some of those laptops with with the the latest driver for the I am that's that's a really interesting question because did the driver previously support it or is it only just sort of getting all the the framework set up and now the driver officially supports it? is
2: I'm not yet. sure. I know that they announced that this support was going to be coming for desktop graphics cards at the same event where they announced the RTX 30 series laptop chips in the 3060. So it might have been already working because it was already working with the 3060. Oh, uh, okay. So it might have been already working baked in there for the laptop chips since those came out at the same time. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't available for like a 3070 or 3080 laptop. So NVIDIA says go check with your motherboard or not your motherboard, your laptop maker. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, both the Z four ninety and Z five ninety BIOSes that I use for this review had support, but I didn't turn it on.
2: And Uh, I have tested Smart Access Memory, not resizable bar, but that's based on resizable bar, with both the Radeon sixty nine hundred XT and the Radeon sixty seven hundred XT. And like I said, most most performance uplifts are going to be modest. Like sometimes, usually, we'll see, you know, five percent. 3 to 5% performance increase, but that's free, so that's good. Uh, a couple of games and a couple of like low resolutions, like 1080p, sometimes you'll lose a couple frames, and that's on AMD hardware. And that's probably why NVIDIA is going with this whitelist approach in drivers. So make it so if a game does lose a few frames for whatever reason, it won't be allowed to run a resizable bar. That'd be my guess. But the- uh, But there are some other games where you'll pick up double-digit performance gains as well
1: but this isn't this isn't nvidia coming out with a pr- proprietary solution that you know you have to sign up with for nvidia no, no okay okay no if
2: anything it's the opposite amd uh rolled it out to smart access memory without immediately disclosing that this is really just a fancy marketing term for resizable bar hmm. so it's nvidia going hey this is actually uh industry supported standard and we're going to support it as well <laughs> So the the turntables have turned.
1: (laughs) My, my, my. Uh, Dreary or Spider 1 asks, uh, has AMD announced when Ryzen 3000 will get resizable bar support?
2: Nope. They're working on it. We had Scott Herkman on last week or the week before for the 6700 XT and asked him that very question. And he just said they're working on it. So they announced it already, so it wouldn't be too long.
0: And that's for Sam. That's not even necessarily rebar, right? Is that, I forget.
2: Sam is rebar. Smart access memory is basically resizable bore, bar being activated, and in AMD driver optimizations for games. Right. So, but does it, go ahead. You go ahead.
0: I'm I'm just wondering, does it if you turn on Sam, does it support an NVIDIA card? Is what I'm wondering, or do you have to specifically have? You know, yes, uh,
2: it's not called Sam in the BIOSes. It's called Above 4G Decoding and Resizable Bar. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs>
2: mm. Every everything that works, and I asked the same thing because we're starting to see Intel last gen motherboards roll out BIOS updates. So for Comet Lake motherboards, you can get Resizable Bar, and if you have a AMD Smart Access. Memory Ryzen six thousand card. It'll work on those as well. Once this hardware supports it, it should all just work together, unless a vendor takes specific steps to shut down a rival on its hardware. And at least both AMD and NVIDIA have told me directly they have no plans
1: on doing that. So it should all just work. Okay, interesting. So
0: <laughs> I just I just love how they all everybody always plays off each other. You know, like AMD's like we got Smart Access Memory, it's awesome. Look at this, cool, Sam. Sam, Smart Access Memory. Nvidia's like that's just the industry standard.
2: That's 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 above 4G decoding.
0: We're <laughs> gonna support thing, that.
2: Yeah, I know. Go ahead. A, fun, a funny thing to me, a little behind the curtain thing, is when Nvidia, when uh, AMD announced Smart Access Memory, right, uh, with the 6800 series, which I think came out in October, September, something like that. Nvidia called me the next day and said, "Oh, you know that's just resizable bar. We already got that running in our labs. It'll be real easy to flip on yep. it's six months later for it to come out, so it's not quite as easy as for suspected, I think,
0: but just the <laughs> but just the shade they each yeah you know the, the, the very next the, day because <laughs> I mean you know like uh, what what is it uh g-sync compatible we got g-sync compatible look it's awesome it's g-sync compatible amd's like that's just an industry standard that we help pioneer that's no big deal (laughs) you know they both sort of like take that opposite like well if we did it it's important
1: (laughs) nice um should we get to some questions before we we get out of here
2: yeah Yeah, maybe just a few i didn't read somehow we already been in here almost two hours i know
1: right yeah yeah so uh yeah don't get in too many questions because there's we already have some on the list. So, uh, but <laughs> if you want to drop them in Discord, we'll we'll hang on to them until later. Uh, one from earlier: uh, "My name uh, asks, a, asks a very simple question: Why don't sound cards work like graphic cards?
2: They're audio, not visual. There you go. Yeah. You mean <laughs> why don't
0: we get the leaps in generation? Like, my God, this is incredible." Uh, physically modeled acoustics for our games, HRTS stuff, because nobody cares. You know what? <laughs> it's the heartbreaking thing. Nobody cares. You don't care. And you know what? If you came out with a better sound card, they had like, oh, my God, it's got all the most impressive audio, people would say, wow, this game looks a lot better with this new graphics card. <laughs> so.
1: Except for people like yeah, it's Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, Uh, I, I, Ibrahima Barry said, uh, will I see any difference in gaming between a 10900K, 10, a 10900, or even a 10850K? 8500K, I'm sorry.
0: Depends on your graphics card and resolution and the games you play, but...
2: minimum, Probably not. Yeah, probably like a not. frame or two. <laughs>
0: well, we don't know, because the person could be just like badass counter-strike go you know mm-hmm. like i i need 680 frames a second and mm-hmm. maybe if that extra 50 frames or 20 frames a second makes a difference because you're so such a twitch gamer maybe but but just probably not
2: okay. ba- they're yeah, basically it's- all
0: the same chip anyway right
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the eighty, the 10850K was only 100 megahertz slower than the 10900K, so that's effectively the same thing. It just makes it easier for them to manufacture. You're going to effectively get the same performance, and yeah, it's – like for me, if I was going to be shopping for an Intel chip, I would probably purposefully hunt for a KF, one of the ones that lack graphics because they save you some money, and the chips offer effectively the same performance as the – all the models you just listed,
0: but you don't get Quicksync, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: here's a question from Benato. Uh, considering this is the year of getting whatever you can, regardless of value, would it be smart coverage? Would it be smart to cover? Sorry. Uh, would it be smart coverage less to compare the apples to apples of RTX versus? RTX three thirty series versus RDNA two, and more. Just compare each card versus Turing slash RDNA one slash Pascal.
2: Yeah, that would that's obviously helpful. Right now, I think we've been seeing a lot more coverage of older graphics cards, like on Gamers Nexus and uh, hardware unbox and stuff like that. And I think it's a great angle because that's where a lot of uh, you know used market is right now. And I think that's where a lot of people are going. But if you go back and look at my reviews, I don't have Pascal in most of them, but I, all my reviews at least I always have both the last generation and any viable competitors from this generation as well. So I, I don't tend to go two gen. I try to go two generations back, actually, I should say, but it depends on timing. And, and I just switched to a new testing platform, so I didn't manage to include it this time. But yes, we should be looking at all that stuff with everything being so crazy right now
1: um okay a couple more no cloud front of the show uh does the current gpu market change brad's opinion on the value of 20 series that the 20 series owners received given what he knows now will the 30 series life cycle be longer at what level card should gamers just skip the 30 series and wait for the 40 series maybe somebody on a 1080 ti Uh, sorry multiple questions
2: (laughs) yeah those are all very good questions uh one no I don't think that the RTX 20 series is a better value in retrospect. Uh, We're in unprecedented, terrible times right now, but the 20 series cards uh, still charge. NVIDIA charged way too much for the traditional performance that those offered, and I'm not going to change that opinion no matter what. My biggest fear is actually that these new higher values for these cards, what they cost now, is going to become the new standard after nvidia already raised prices with the rtx 20 series for no extra performance now we're suffering through this for the 30 series and the radeon 6000 series and i'm really worried about what that means for affordable gpus in the future
0: yeah it's true does Uh, it you know does it ever go back down the bridge tolls never go down
2: yeah if you look at the 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 radeon let's look at we talk about nvidia a lot but let's look at radeon the Polaris based RX 570 came out at 170 bucks, and then uh, the 5700 XT, so not quite the same, came out at 400 bucks, and now the 6700 XT is 480 bucks. So in two generations, AMD's 70 class card has gone from 170, 180 bucks to 480 bucks, and I just think that's going to be a trend, and I'm bummed about it. But what were the other questions? Sorry, <laughs> Sorry
1: I, got, uh, I got hung up on that. <laughs> given what you know now, will the 30 series lifecycle be longer?
2: I would say probably definitely yes. There, uh, it'll depend on how much the flooded the market gets flooded with used GPUs when the Ethereum bubble bursts. I would think, but I think it's clear at this point. We're already six months in to the RTX 30 series generation at this time. So, and I think there's. We're not even seeing, we just now saw a 3060. So I think it's going to be around for probably closer to two years than the typical year and a half or so.
1: Okay. Uh, then the yeah, the third part of it, uh, at what level should gamers just skip the 30 series and wait for the 40 series?
2: When you can't afford a graphics card. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm doing like i said I, I tend to upgrade the 80ti class pretty much every generation because i do this for work I have a 4k monitor etc etc uh and i'm just gonna sit this one out i planned on getting a 5600x and the eventual 3080ti because i don't want a 3090 uh and i decided it's it's just not worth it for me man like uh And if I was in the place where I was trying to upgrade from one of those RX 570s that I just mentioned, I, like I say every week, I would go play GeForce Now rather than invest twice the MSRP or more into a graphics card. I don't believe in paying scalpers scalper prices. Unless you absolutely have to.
0: Which would you rather have, Brad? A... I'm trying to find the good price here. A... God, Lord... An I need RTX? to sell my
2: 1080 Ti, by the way. I spent that <laughs> a couple of episodes, but I really need to before this all goes away. <laughs> An RTX
0: 2060 for five hundred dollars.
2: Okay. Or a uh, three gig 1060 for two ninety nine. Or a three uh, gig 1060 for two ninety
0: nine. I was looking for the six gig one, but they
2: I don't want a three 6... gig. Yeah, I don't want a three gig card anymore, flat out. <laughs> so. Boy, I don't want either of those. The
0: <laughs> okay. I
2: was trying to find a value
0: thing to force it, but I couldn't because yeah. the prices are so insane.
2: That's crazy, right? Those, those cards launched at three fifty; they fell down to three hundred, and now they're five hundred bucks for a twenty sixty. My Ooh. son's friend
0: is going to buy a twenty sixty. It's like, what do you think, Dad? What do you think he should? It's like, no, it's like that's a three hundred dollar card. You're paying five hundred fifty dollars for. But that's the going rate. But you know, I swear. A, a, Look, actually, you can get a ten sixty. Well, it's in a bid. Ten sixty six gig is three hundred ninety dollars right now. EVGA. Huh. So would you rather a four hundred dollar ten sixty six gig or a twenty sixty
2: for five hundred dollars? Probably it'd pass. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably get a twenty sixty. But I wouldn't pay either of those. The old, sometimes the only you know winning move is not to play. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, whopper. Yeah. yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's get out of here because I'm very hungry, uh, and would like to go eat some food. Probably <laughs> BB would like it as well. So,
0: <laughs> okay, check back next week for your fix of PC talk on the full nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or is that still there?
1: It, or yeah. Stitcher? It is maybe. all fixed. It is all fixed. Some, oh, places, very have, good. some places have double listings, unfortunately, but. Uh, yeah whatever <laughs> it's it's fixed
0: uh and also please leave us a review every time you do uh a super freight ship full of gpus and gpus gets unstuck from the suez canal send questions and comments to the full nerd at com. thanks for coming i'm gordon Ung with brad Adios, show. and adam patrick Murray's gonna hit the off switch
1: uh yeah i was gonna think of something funny about a canal but i can't think of it so anyway let's get out of here bye